in the annals of NBA lore, former Philadelphia 76ers and New Jersey Nets center Daryl Dawkins stands out as perhaps the most boisterous and active in perpetuating his own mythology. He was funny, confident, playful, clever, and articulate. And long before the NBA had seen the likes of Shaquille O'Neal or even Charles Barkley, Dawkins was the one-man quote machine. And let me tell you, not many players would name each of their dunks, let alone claim to be from the planet Love Trump. Yes, that is real. Dawkins has many a nickname. Get ready for this. He is known as Double D, Doc, Dr. Dunk, Sir Slam, Zandokin, the Mad Dunker, Dunk You Very Much, a personal favorite, Candy Slam, Sweet D, Big Doc, Master of Disaster, Squawkin' Dawkin, Double D Dunk, Sir Dunk, Dunk It, Pure Pleasure, Cool Breeze, Dr. Jam, and Demon of Destin. (sighs) Deep breath. These are all real and on basketball reference. That's almost 20 nicknames, but you may know him instead as Chocolate Thunder. Today on this special mini Once Upon a Dribble podcast, join me as we look at the man, the myth, the legend, Daryl Dawkins. Now, for a guy as cool and as funky as Doc, you ask yourself, how did the nickname Chocolate Thunder originate? Well, for someone, again, as cool and funky as him, its origin is absolutely everything you'd expect. Daryl himself said Stevie Wonder used to come to the ball games, and they would have a guy sitting with him. The guy would be holding on to his arm, telling him what's going on, and he would say, hey, the big chocolate guy just put down a thunder dunk. The chocolate guy with another monster dunk. And Stevie Wonder actually gave me the nickname Chocolate Thunder. So a guy who never saw me, gave me that name. I think I can wear that well. I don't even know if he remembers because it's been so long, but I'll keep that. End quote. For someone so iconic, Dawkins wasn't as dominant of an NBA player as one might have guessed or assumed. Easily someone whose mystique and legend casts a shadow over his actual production. Now, don't get me wrong. He was a dang good NBA player. He averaged double figures in nine of his 14 NBA seasons and would often be amongst the league leaders in field goal percentage. He played in the finals three times as a 76er, but it's the personality of Daryl that could fill pages and pages. So again, let's dive deeper into this legend. Dawkins was an insane high school prospect down in Orlando, where at Maynard Evans High, he averaged 32 points and 21 rebounds per game as a 6'10 senior. Just ludicrous averages. Daryl Dawkins could have easily gone to college. In fact, Kentucky, Florida State, and Kansas were all recruiting him in 1975, and attending Kentucky specifically was weighing heavy on Dawkins' mind. But three days before the 1975 NBA draft, Dawkins decides to bypass college and enter into the draft, at the time becoming only one of a handful high school seniors to do so. And he did it because he wanted to make enough money to help his family escape poverty. He said, quote, I didn't make my decision until three days before the draft, and I just figured I wanted to be able to help my brother and sister get through college and take care of my mother and grandmother. So I took that route, end quote. The draft was done different, let's say, back in 1975. From 1947 to 1965, the draft included territorial picks, back when teams were still struggling to include fan bases. 
So before each draft, a team could forfeit their first-round pick and instead select a player from its immediate area. So, for example, in 1956, Boston used a territorial pick to select Tom Heinsohn from Holy Cross in Massachusetts. In 1966, we hit what's, what's called the coin flip era. The first two picks belonged to the teams that finished last in their respective conferences, with the order between those two teams being decided by a coin flip. The rest of the teams would then pick an inverse order based on win-loss record. Now, this is a little bit of he ahead of when Dawkins gets drafted, but an interesting result of the coin flip era resulted in an insane what-if moment in NBA history. In 1979, the 31-51 Bulls called heads, and the coin came up tails, thus giving the first overall pick to the 26-56 New Orleans Jazz. All good and dandy, right? Well... No, actually, the Jazz had to compensate the Lakers for having signed L.A. free agent Gail Goodrich and did so with three picks, one of those being the Jazz's first pick in 1979. That pick became number one after the coin toss. That number one pick ended up being none other than Irvin Magic Johnson. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Back to 1975. The Jazz, once again, finished 23-59, and 59, but it's the Hawks who obtain their pick in a trade and win the coin flip, so they get the first pick. Sorry, Jazz fans. The Lakers get the second pick as they finished 30-52 and 52 out west. The Hawks, with the first overall pick, take future NBA All-Star and All-NBA guard David Thompson, better known as Skywalker, long before Mark Hamill ever was. He attended North Carolina State University, but would never play a game for the Hawks. Why? Well, he was also drafted first overall in the 1975 ABA draft by the Virginia Squires. Virginia would then trade his rights to the Nuggets. And Thompson opts to join the ABA instead with, of course, those Denver Nuggets, just to join the NBA a year later after the two leagues merged. Now, drop down a couple of picks. Philly at number five takes our guy, Daryl Dawkins. Him and Bill Willoughby, who was drafted 19th, became the first two high schoolers to directly enter the NBA after their high school graduation. They also became the second and third players to go from high school basketball to a professional league. Moses Malone beat them to it in the ABA draft in 1974. Daryl signs a $7-year, $1 million contract with the Sixers. Now, in his first couple of seasons, Doc doesn't get a ton of run. Only about five minutes per game over 37 games in 76, and only 12 minutes per game over 59 games in 1977. But suddenly, he sees his number called in those 1977 playoffs, where he plays nearly 20 minutes a night in 18 playoff games as the Sixers make a surprise run to the NBA Finals. Now, who are the kinds of players that Doc is being called upon to guard as a power forward slash center? Oh, you know, just the likes of Boston's Dave Cowens and Houston's Moses Malone. No biggie. And hey, this includes a Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals, where Dawkins goes for 20 points and 7 rebounds on 7 of 12 shooting to clinch the Finals berth. No biggie indeed for Sir Slam. But of course, in the 1970s, the big man competition doesn't let up. This is debatably the deepest era for big men. Awaiting Philly out west is Bill Walton and the Portland Trailblazers. Philly actually takes the first two games of the series before Portland goes on to win four straight to take the title. Philly fought valiantly, Dawkins even earning the admiration of Big Red Bill Walton himself. But back in game two, 
something wild happened. Doc gets into a fight with Portland's Maurice Lucas, who, to put it bluntly, was basically the Blazers' contracted hitman. He would frequently go up to Walton before games and ask who he wanted him to kill that day. Well, this fight with Dawkins was a stalemate. Daryl and Maurice were both ejected. Dawkins goes back to the locker room and, not satisfied with his on-court tirade, tears a toilet bowl out of the wall, dislodges a locker stall, and barricades the door with it. Now, imagine that happening during the Twitter era. The memes. The memes. But hey, this is the 70s, and let me tell you, the 70s were the wild, wild west for the NBA. All this did was enhance Dawkins' legend. That being said, the future was bright for Philly. Mr. Dunk himself established himself as a top player on a stacked Sixer roster that included the likes of Dr. J, George McGinnis, World B. Free, and Doug Collins. By age 21, he's posting a very solid 12-8 and eight every night, just plugging away. Philly is once again elite, earns a top seed out east, and get to the conference finals before falling to the Washington Bullets in six games. Moving into 1979, Philly trades McGinnis to Denver, which paves the way for Dawkins to be the next mainstay front court starter. He and Caldwell Jones split time between the four and the five, and in a game against the Kansas City Kings at Municipal Auditorium on November 13, 1977, Dawkins broke the backboard, sending the Kings Bill Robinson ducking. And this is, let me tell you, this is what we know Dawkins for. And that wasn't it. Three weeks later, he does it again, this time at home against the San Antonio Spurs at the Spectrum. A few days after that, the NBA had to create a new rule that breaking a backboard was an offense that would result in a fine and suspension. Not a technical, nothing like that having to do with the game itself. They would, it would result in a fine and a suspension. In classic Dawkins fashion, he named his first backboard-breaking dunk, quote, get this, the chocolate thunder flying, robinzine crying, teeth shaking, glass breaking, rump roasting, bun toasting, wham bam, glass breaker, I am jam. <laughs> Classic. And of course, he also named his other dunks as well, such as the rim wrecker, the gorilla, the lookout below, the in your face disgrace, the cover your head, the yo mama, the spine chiller supreme. Oh, and of course, the greyhound special, just for those rare occasions when he'd go coast to coast. It got to a point where the Sixers even kept a separate column on the stat sheet for his nicknames. I can hardly keep track of all the stuff that I need to grab at Walmart. And this guy has a running stat column of all of his nicknames. From 1979 to 1981, we see Daryl submit 14 points and 8 rebounds for his averages on 54% shooting. Philadelphia gets back to the finals in 1980 and 1982, but lose both times to the Los Angeles Lakers. Philly, frustrated with their inability to contain Kareem, trade Dawkins to the New Jersey Nets and Caldwell Jones to Houston for Moses Malone, a trade that would pay, of course, immediate championship dividends for the Sixers. Dawkins, at this point still only 25 years old, joins a good, not great Nets team that just went 44-38 and 38 in 1982, coached by none other than the Larry Brown who was only 42 at this time. Larry Brown, of course, would go on to coach those Allen Iverson Sixers teams and, of course, the Detroit Pistons team that won the championship in 2004. Doc enjoys a career renaissance of sorts as his first two seasons in New Jersey are successful from both an individual and team standpoint. 
Joining Buck Williams, Otis Birdsong, Albert King, and Michael Ray Richardson, the Nets turn in a very good season, going 49-33 and 33 in 1983. And then in 1984, Sir Slam averages a career-high 17 points per game on 59% shooting. Now join me for November 5th, 1983. We're about five games into the 83-84 season, and the Sixers travel to New Jersey. We see Daryl have the revenge game of all revenge games against his former team. He submits a double-double, but not in the way you'd think. He drops 17 points, 8 rebounds, and 13 blocks. This revenge tour would continue as the sixth-seeded Nets would match up with Philly in the best-of-five first-round series. The Nets win three games to two, thanks large in part to Dawkins' defense on Moses Malone. Sports Illustrated back in 2011 ranked this Nets series win over the defending champion 76ers as the seventh greatest playoff upset of all time. The Nets would face the juggernaut Bucks in round two, where Doc would average 22 points and seven rebounds. He scored 32 in game one, and despite losing in six games, would put up 29 points and eight rebounds in the season-ending 98-97 loss. Daryl, at this point, appeared to be on the cusp of stardom, heading into 1985, but injuries limited him to a mere 39 games. He played well in 1986, but got hurt once again, and then only appeared in six games in 1987 after a second back surgery in less than two years. Dr. Dunk would make a very brief pit stop in Utah before being moved to Detroit for a pair of second-round picks and cash. In Detroit, Dr. Dunk finds an immediate chemistry fit with the bad boy Pistons. He played only 16 games for the Pistons in his two seasons there due to his still recovering from his back injuries and dealing with the death of his estranged wife. But he was often considered to be one of the team's leaders. VintageDetroit.com shares the following about his tenure, saying that, oddly, Dawkins provided leadership to that young team, helping young players like John Sally to adjust to the pressures of the NBA and also just keeping the team loose. The bad boy Pistons are notorious for their physicality. He probably also gave advice on how to push and shove. Dawkins is the all-time single-season leader for, for, for personal fouls, after all. Dawkins announced with a big grin before the 1989 playoffs what his role was for Detroit. He said, I am an ambassador for calm and cool. Poetically, in his final NBA season, Detroit won the championship, and Dr. Jam got his ring. He made a couple attempts to return to the NBA, most notably in or with Orlando in 1989. Then he would spend several seasons in Italy playing professional ball as well. He tried a couple more times to return to the league with Denver in 1994 and then Boston in 1995, but he never saw any official NBA action. And while Dawkins was absolutely a successful basketball player and above average starter, again, he's not remembered for his stardom. He's remembered for that eccentric personality and his signature dunking. This is the guy who rocked the gold chains during games until the league finally banned them. One chain had a cross and the other simply said, Sir Slam in gold script. Absolutely incredible. This is also the guy who claimed to be an alien from planet Lovetron, where he specialized in, quote, interplanetary funkmanship in classic doc fashion he had a brief stint with the globetrotters in the 1990s 
He passed a lot of his post-NBA career around basketball. He was a coach for several different teams in a few different amateur leagues, never being far from the game. Dawkins passed away in 2015 at the age of 58 from a heart attack. Over 600 people attended his viewing, amongst them former Sixers and Nets teammates like Billy Cunningham, Tim Bassett, and even modern NBA players like Jason Thompson and Carl Anthony Towns. Dawkins was a valued member of the NBA family, a man who generously gave back to the game and gave back to the community. He won over hundreds of future basketball players as an ambassador for the game through NBA Cares. Dr. J said, if he's around you for 15 minutes, you remember him for the rest of your life. World Be Free said, quote, he was just one of the greatest guys. Let's be honest. No one will ever be as cool, funky, or ferocious as Dr. Dunk, Sir Slam, Chocolate Thunder, Daryl Dawkins himself. This is Once Upon a Dribble.